This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 73. Okay, Dave Ramsey, you're right. Whole life stinks. Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your hosts, Mark Willis and Holly Bach, invite you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious. Be stable. Be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast. I'm your host, Holly Bach, and with me here in the studio today is Mark Willis. Hi, Holly. (laughs) All right. Just wanted to start off our episode here today with another five-star review. Um, I know we promised to read your guys' reviews that you left for us, and so um, this one is by J.R. Dazzo, I would think, J.R. Dazzo, um, and they, the subject of their review is thank you. Um, in their words, they said, wow, is what I have to say about this podcast. I'm in this business and I send my clients and prospects a link to listen to Mark, Holly, and Katrina. There's so many things that I spend time on educating people that they break down into 20 to 30 minute segments. Love it. Again, thank you three for doing this service and helping to educate the people about what I think is the most underrated and overlooked financial strategy going. Oh, that's nice. So thank you so much for your uh, kind words, J.R. Dazzo. And again, want to encourage any of the rest of you that have found any amount of value in our podcast, please feel free to leave us a review. It doesn't necessarily have to be five stars but just leave us a review of your honest thoughts of how uh, this podcast has maybe helped you or influenced you in any way. Um, We'd love to hear your words and we're also open to recommendations. So, um, you know, thanks thanks for your reviews and, and anyone else feel free to leave one as well. So Mark, uh, why don't you dive us into our actual content and episode for today? Well, and speaking of, uh, yeah, if you do leave us a five-star review, take a screenshot of it, email it to uh, hello at nyafinancialpodcast.com and we'll send you a free copy of the Bank on Yourself Revolution. So, and speaking of the topic and sending us recommendations, Holly, this series that we're doing on Dave Ramsey was given to us as an idea from a client of ours asking us to do this. So Mm -hmm. if you have ideas or comments on what you'd like us to speak on, let us know. Just email us at that previous email address. Believe so, it or not, we listen. That's true. <laughs> we are we are always uh, we are always open, or at least our email inbox is. All right. So I have some big news, Holly. I don't know if you were aware, um, but we have a big announcement to make today, and it's it might shock a lot of our listeners, uh, but we are ready now. I think finally to throw up the red flag, uh, the the white flag, I'd say of of uh, surrender. Uh, you win, Dave Ramsey. You win. Uh, you're right. Whole life insurance stinks, in your own words, okay? So I know that Dave Ramsey would gladly agree with this, that whole life insurance stinks. I mean, one, the commissions. Life insurance salesmen typically make a base commission of 55% of your first year premium. That's that, that stinks, right? Gross. Number, totally gross. <laughs> uh, number two, financial entertainers say buy term and invest the difference is the better deal. Of course it is. No, yeah, of course. We're ready to admit that now. Uh, number three, there's no need for permanent insurance. No need for it. No need, unless you want to spoil your kids and ruin your grandkids. Those dirty, um, rotten kids. Yeah, they don't seriously. need my money. They stink too. All right. So <laughs> number four, cash value buildup takes forever, and it has a terrible return. It has a terrible return, as Dave Ramsey would say. And then number five, nobody has it, so, you know, it obviously stinks. So the proof is in the pudding. All right. <laughs> so that clears that up. Now let's shut the podcast down. It's been great, everybody. Thanks for listening.
Okay, well, maybe for in fairness, let's at least take another look at things just to make sure that our, you know, that we're looking at this from an empirical standpoint and at least give whole life insurance and its stinkiness a chance to defend itself. All right, so let's at least take a look at number one, the commission's uh, 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 argument. What is, uh, what do we have to say about that? Yeah, so, I mean, okay, commissions comes up all the time. And I actually would say comes up a lot in for any, you know, financial advisor giving advice in any way. It's always like, okay, what's this going to cost me, you know? But, I mean, commissions are a reality of any sale, whether it's your home, your car, a medical device, or a new TV. I mean, a salesman's true task is to motivate a buyer to act in their own best self-interest. So for the sake of deliberation, assume the agent across the table is a commission-driven financial sales representative advising a client with $20,000 of disposable income for financial planning. So most investment advisors will charge a management fee that nets them about 1%. And many go higher than that. We're just Mm -hmm. doing 1% uh, just for sake of easy numbers. A $20,000 annual investment over a 30-year period earning 7% annually will generate $190,000 and change to the advisor. Okay, wait. So you're saying that the 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 alternative to whole life insurance, which uh, Dave Ramsey would recommend we get into stocks, bonds, good growth stock mutual funds is the exact words he would say. I still got those neurons in my brain, Holly, I'm telling you. <laughs> they don't come out easy. Uh, and, and so what you're saying is over 30 years, the uh, representative selling those mutual funds uh, if he or she got 1% of those funds as the m- money grew in the market, mm-hmm. if we did just a simple 7%, 7% okay, yeah. which might, you know, we could talk about that. But the fee or the payment or the commissions, it's all just commissions. Life is a commission. So the money that goes to the advisor, the representative would be $190,000? $190,000. We're in the wrong business, let me tell you. All right. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so $190,000 is what would go to that advisor, Okay. So keep that in mind. If another advisor were to allocate that same $20,000 annually to a whole life insurance policy for 30 years, he would receive $57,400 over that same period. Wow. This is assuming 55% of the first year commission plus 29 years of renewals at 8%. So that's just an annual amount of 0.031% as opposed to the you know 1% fee for the other investment advisor um, that wow. you were you know had your money with so we talk about these crazy commissions and how the commissions are so high for whole life insurance advisors but again over the long run that's not the case maybe it might look that way in the first year but in the long run that's just i mean it's that's just not even more close expensive. it's yeah. not even close i mean we're talking 57,000 versus 190,000 so <laughs> you can decide for yourself you know how much of your money you want to give to your advisor um, i guess if you think they're worth um, $190,000 then i mean they're happy to take it yep. so on the other on the other side of the coin though, you know, cost should only be an objection in the absence of value. And just because one product produces commissions does not necessarily make it wrong, just as another product with reduced fees does not necessarily always make it better. Hmm. Well said. Well, so number two, uh, buy term and invest the difference is a strategy that widely is promoted by Dave Ramsey, Susie Orman, many other media talking heads with investment-oriented financial planners behind them ready to swoop in and save the day. 
Uh, so, you know, don't forget that Dave is running a business too. His benchmark in his own practice, if you were to look at his annual goals, is growing his listeners and selling his listeners products and services that he gets a commission on. Back to that number one there. One of those products is term (laughs) insurance. Well, what do you know? So rambling about the sexy stock market each day is exciting to an audience, whereas there's not much a host can do to spice up whole life insurance. Believe me, we know. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, a fitness magazine might publish one issue stating the need to follow the food pyramid and exercise for 60 minutes a day, let's say, right? That's super effective and would actually yield results. But the, the magazine would be out of business after just one month's publication. Now, on the other hand, if you sold some sexy, like, here's the secret to losing 20 pounds. and In five minutes. Right. Here's how you can paint abs on your, on your shirt. Uh, <laughs> it's always going to be more enticing, right? So let's actually do the math on this. And forgive us uh, uh, if you're not in engineer inclined, but we wanted to get really into this. And we will include this spreadsheet on our show notes. Uh, so we do have all this ready to go to show our listeners. If you just uh, look on our show notes, you'll see this here. So let's walk through this. Uh, Meet Frank. He's 42 years old, and he wants to set aside a whopping $3,000 a month. All right. So should Frank put those dollars into a stinky whole life policy, or would he be much smarter now to cover his insurance cost with some simple term insurance and put the rest into that sexy stock market? Okay. You can almost hear Dave Ramsey whispering the answer in your ear. (laughs) All right. But let's find out. Uh, So we quoted Frank for a $1.9 million 20-year term insurance death benefit to figure out that part of his his plan. Why did we choose 1.9 million? Well, we wanted to give him the best term death benefit possible for 20 years to match what the whole life would do. Now, the whole life insurance has an increasing death benefit, uh, as we talk about with uh, Bank on Yourself, whereas the term insurance is going to have to stay level, meaning the the Term insurance is going to stay level at $1.9 million for 20 years, but the whole life is going to be growing, growing, growing. And so we just had to pick a year out of those 20 years for the whole life and the term to sort of match each other. And we just chose year 15 because whole life keeps growing beyond $1.9 million uh, after that. So we did choose the $1.9 million for the term insurance to compare apples to apples as best we could. Yep. So the only thing that would be increasing with term and investments is the investment fund. Hopefully, 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 the investment fund is going to be growing because remember, you can leave that to your kids too. All right. Any thoughts on that so far, Holly? Tracking with you so far. All right. Right on. So the whole life insurance death benefit starts at a a modest $964,000. That's still a good chunk of change for anybody, but that's less than what the term did. So uh, to add insult to injury, the whole life insurance premium is a whopping $3,000 a month whereas the term insurance premium is only $414 a month at Frank's age 42. So that's a ripoff, right? Why would whole life insurance give us such an expense, whereas the term insurance is obviously cheaper, whole life insurance looks like it's down for the count. Mm -hmm. So with all that extra money, Frank diligently sets into an investment brokerage account, and let's just give him a conservative 5.5% average rate of return over his lifetime. Now, we're not big on average rates of return around here. As you know, uh, you would actually need a much larger real return, uh, otherwise known as the CAGR, Compound Annual Growth Rate Return, in order to hit the average 5.5%. Please go back to episode 51 with Les Les Himmel to see what we're talking about here. He goes into great detail about how volatility increases the return we have to get 
to average out uh, to a, say a 5.5%. Now let's say that he'd need a, a real return of approximately 8% just to keep up with the 5.5% that we're quoting here. All right, so 8%, by the way, is something the market has only done 30% of the time over the last century. So not exactly a slam dunk guarantee that we'll even hit an average 5.5%. How's that, that for a disclaimer? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so come on. All that to say we're, you know, chose 5.5%, but, you know, even that, obviously we know, you know, you can never know what the stock market's going to do and what the numbers are actually going to be. But um, well gives you a good gives you a good idea, though, of why you can't just run these numbers, because that's a lot of times what Dave Ramsey and these other people are doing is they're just throwing out these numbers that sound reasonable. So yeah. he might do an 8%, 12%, you know, yeah. or 12%. Yeah. But I mean, you know, even someone being conservative on their own might run one of these calculators and say, oh, 8%, 9%, that seems really reasonable. But actually that, you know, what we just explained there is why even 8 or 9% is not reasonable at all right. mm -hmm. because of what the difference between a real return and an average return and what's happening with volatility and how when you lose value at any point in time, you have to make that back up and your return has to be greater in future years. So true. So and go back to episode one to hear more about average versus real returns, as well as episode 51. Uh, so, and, and check this out, S&P 500's own data from 1928 to 2017 uh, bears, this, uh, bears this true. So Dave Ramsey does quote 12% a year. Uh, so is that realistic? I mean, again, the CAGR over the last 30 years has only been 12%, uh, only 2% of the time only 2% of the time. So good luck with that, Dave. All right, anyway, nevertheless, we will stick with this 5.5% to give investments all the chance they can get to beat out whole life insurance. Okay, so in the first year, Mr. Frank, who's 42 years old, can either pay that term insurance and invest the rest with that 5.5 magical average return, and that leaves him with a brokerage account of $31,000 in year one, in year one, okay? The whole life insurance, on the other hand, the death benefit is smaller uh, by about 900 grand, and the cash value is also smaller too. It only had a cash value in year one of $23,000. So again, seems like case is closed. You'd have that extra $8,000 in your investment account. Why would anyone do whole life insurance? Okay, but wait, something interesting starts to happen in the following years. The cash value of the whole life insurance starts to really catch up with that investment account and then even has more than the investment account. By year six, the investment account has $201,000. So just by year six, guys, just by year six, the investment account is $201,000, whereas the whole life insurance has a whopping $202,600 of cash value with zero market risk, okay? So there's not invested in the stock market. So even assuming no market volatility or crashes, uh, which are probably likely over the lifetime, uh, of Mr. Frank. Uh, let's just see what happens over 20 years. So by year 20, Frank has his investment account of $790,000, but the whole life insurance cash value has over $1 million. Wow. <laughs> Any thoughts on that, Holly? Beats it out by 200 grand. That's amazing. So, I mean, not that this is exactly the case, but I mean, you know, 200 grand before we're talking about the commission being 190. I mean, oh, there's your 200,000. Wow. <laughs> you know, would you rather have it or would you rather pay it? Wow, that's amazing. To someone. Yeah. You know. Who holds the risk there and who gets that guaranteed fee, right? Yeah. Fascinating. Okay, so in short, buy term and invest the difference approach offers greater early liquidity. Okay, so you'd have another eight grand in, in liquid money in the investment account but at the risk of the market fluctuations and you're stuck with a temporary death benefit. So which plan 
of those two, which of those two plans seems fair for you or for your family, right? Dividend paying whole life insurance or buy term and invest the rest. Which plan gives you any kind of guarantee? Which plan leaves you with all that risk? Which plan costs more? So for example, the term insurance premium after 20 years, not counting the asset center management fee, just the term premium is $99,000 and your cash value with term is wow. zero, right? Wow. The whole life insurance premium after 20 years, it, it, you put in $720,000 in premium, the whole life cash value is over a million dollars. So how much did that cost? Well, I don't know, you put in 720, you have a million dollars available to you. It sounds like <laughs> you have an extra 300 grand. That's how I read that math. Yeah. So that's, so yeah. Even that like small, that little term that was only, oh, it's only $414 a month compared to $3,000, right. mm-hmm. you know. And, but man, that added up. A hundred grand over 20 years. It's crazy. And you have, you get, you get nothing for it. Just mm-hmm. zero. It's the most expensive financial product ever. You know, as cheap yeah. as it might look. Yeah. 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 That's crazy. Okay. All right. So that was number two. Buy term invest the difference is better. It beats out whole life insurance. Uh, number three here is who needs permanent insurance? Why does it need to be permanent? Yeah, term is. You, aren't you going to self-insure as Dave yeah, Ramsey says? Yeah. And term is completely sufficient. You know, you only need it for, you know, the, those early years, right? Um, and so, you know, after 20 or 30 years of term life insurance, though, your estate value is going to drop overnight. What, what do you mean estate value? Well, because of your death benefit, uh, you know, so right. death b- mm-hmm. benefits part of your estate. And if you were to pass away with the term in effect, then you're, that's what your family would get. That's part of your estate. But that if you pass away after the term is expired and you don't renew it, then all of a sudden your family gets a big goose egg from that term insurance you were potentially paying $100,000 into over your lifetime. Hmm. And all of a sudden your estate got decreased by however much. I mean, in the case of Frank, was that our friend here? Mm-hmm. Frank, Frank. Um, you know, it's $1.9 million. That's no small hit to, you know, a legacy that you're maybe perhaps hoping to, to leave. Um, but, you know, the argument is, is that big death benefit won't matter in retirement unless, you know, you want to spoil rotten future generations. Uh, besides, Dave Ramsey says at that point, his magical 12% a year will virtually guarantee that you can self-insure. And so what does that mean? It means that your estate, you know, will have... Um, you know, grown to such a point, or I guess I shouldn't say your stakes, we were just talking about that, but your your other assets, your investments will have grown to such a point that even if you were to pass away at any point, that, you know, your family would get like an equivalent value of what a death benefit would have paid out. They're going to be taken care of anyways, you know. Um, but, you know, not so fast. Without a death benefit in place, a retiree is actually forced to kind of multitask with their portfolio for all retirement. Uh, taking care of your spouse if you die too soon, and legacy goals. So they're kind of got they're going to be torn when it's just this one pot. Hmm. And you know maybe they have a big pot. You know maybe that pot is, you know three three million dollars or something, which probably still isn't enough. But that whole time they're they're going to be looking at that and they're going to be like, okay, well if I want to leave one million, and then I have to make sure that I, you know, to my kids, and I have to leave, make sure that if I died at any point, I'm leaving a million to my spouse. Well, then I can only live off one million. That's not going to get you very far right. in life these days, you know, so they're going to kind of constantly have this internal struggle versus like, no, I got this life insurance policy. That's going to take care of the kids. That's going to take care of my wife. And now I have $3 million to now do what I want with and roll. enjoy in my years. So, um, 
you know, that's that's kind of the the benefit of having a designated life insurance policy versus just, eh, you can self-insure. Um, whereas, you know, this additional tax-free death benefit provided by whole life, it, you know, acts as this permission slip for a retiree to maximize their pension benefits, spend down retirement assets, rather than keeping the principal in place, you know, potentially, since the death benefit can replace that principal mm, when you pass away. That's big. So it's not just, oh, take your, you know, take the growth off the top, but leave your principal is what a lot, you know, other times people will, you know, other financial advisors will say, well, now you can just spend your principal. Who cares? You know, you can enjoy your social security without thinking you might, you know, be disinheriting your spouse. I mean, this tactic really, you know, kind of puts, still puts the parents yeah. first. So it's not just about leaving a, a legacy or having, you know, uh, uh, something to leave the kids, but it's about having the permission mm-hmm. to spend down your savings uh, and still have more to leave the family to replace your income or your social security if you pass away too soon. Yeah. I mean, you can really never outgrow a need for permanent you know, death benefit. And contrary to what Dave Ramsey says, you really can, can't can uh, self-insure. I mean, that's just called not having insurance. Well said. <laughs> well said. Number four of our four re- five reasons why whole life insurance stinks. Cash value certainly doesn't boast the exciting ups and downs of the stock market. But, you know, to be honest, that's okay for me, for a lot of our clients. Most investment advisors will agree that a fixed income needs to be a part of a responsible portfolio. Uh, And I'm not saying don't put any of your money in uh, speculation or speculative instruments. It's just the money that you cannot afford to lose should be put somewhere where you can be sure that it's going to be there when you go to look for it. So just as a client can't expect a term insurance policy to last forever, uh, you really can't expect your cash value to just jump around in the market going up 20% 20% this year. It's going to be a boring, stable, regular increase on your whole life insurance cash value. The deferred nature of whole life insurance cash values and the potential tax-free access to that is a super nice tax hedge, uh, complemented with the dividends that can be, of course, fluctuating a little bit with the profitability of the insurance company, but that'll help mitigate any interest rate risk that's out there in the market that might be exposing your investments to that uh, interest rate fluctuation. So I love that stable, predictable growth, in other words, of how the policy helps build some real plans around your financial life. Imagine that, uh, building a plan for your financial life. (laughs) Can't really do it with something you can't make a plan around, like investments. What about number five? Yep. So number five is just kind of his point that's just like, well, nobody has it. Nobody owns it. So clearly it's crap because, you know, no one has it. Otherwise, if it were great, Everyone would have it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, in reality, actually, whole life insurance. So I don't know what he's basing that on. I don't know where he's getting this idea that no one has mm-hmm. life insurance or whole life insurance, I should say. Um, when the reality is that whole life insurance remains the most popular product in the industry, having accounted for 36% of life insurance premium in 2016. Um, followed by index universal life at 21% and term life with another 21% and variable universal life at 6%. Hmm. Interesting. And that's as of 2016, uh, the LIMRA insurance sales report. Yep, exactly. So, I mean, you take all the different li- life insurance products out there, you take all of them, you look at where's the, where are the premium dollars going, while the majority of premium dollars are going to whole life insurance. So I don't know why he mm. thinks no one has it sure. when majority, you know, it's majority where the premiums are going. So. so as a verdict, I would say that whole life does stink. Whole life stinks. And I'll say it out loud in front of everyone here today. Whole life stinks. 
but I think it stinks because it's such a hard worker. Get it? You like that? It's such a hard <laughs> worker for everyone who has it in their financial portfolio. So somebody, somebody, somebody get that whole life insurance policy a shower. So as you can probably see, whole life insurance stinks for a lot of reasons, as uh, as we've just described. But maybe, just maybe, it depends on what you're comparing it to and how it's used. Uh, I definitely don't recommend just everyone go out, cash out of their investments, put it all into whole life insurance. That's not what we're talking about here. If you find yourself wanting to own rather than rent, however, you might do a little digging and discover how you can have more retirement cash flow with the same legacy the, and, and even more legacy with the same, same retirement cash flow. Maybe this boring whole life product that's been around since the 1800s deserves another look. So I want to give everyone a, a chance to check out our website, notyouraveragefinancialpodcast.com. If you'd like to speak with us further about this, uh, do give us a call. You can click book a meeting right on our website uh, and book a meeting with us for 15 minutes. We can get your questions answered and at least see if this would be a good fit for you. Any final thoughts, Holly? Sounds like a plan. All right, rock and roll. Well, everybody, thank you for joining us for another episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join a financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.